When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Content warning. This episode will discuss a lot of heavy topics such as harassment, surveillance, and police brutality. Please be kind to yourself. Prepare yourself with before and or after care. And remember, if you or a loved one is going through it, you can call the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, at 212-549-2500. Thank you. Join us to explore the stories, policies, practices, and ideas of the new Survivors Movement. This is Survivor's Hill with your host, Oya L. Sherelle. Welcome, good people. This is your host, Oya L. Sherelle. And today, we will be speaking with Cerise Castle, an investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Tradition of Violence. It's a podcast that you can find on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. As an advocate for survivors of crime, we know that all crimes are not treated equal and all survivors do not have equal access to healing resources. That's saying the least when it comes to survivors of police violence and those seeking support to help bury loved ones murdered by law enforcement. A bill called SB 299, Victim Compensation and Use of Force by a Law Enforcement Officer, sought to change that, but the bill was not signed into law. So the fight continues. My guest and I discuss what brought us to these conditions, how to seek healing in the midst, and what policies and practices can help us in the battle. Listen in. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about the work that you do? Yeah, my name is Cerise Castle. I am a independent freelance journalist, and I cover a lot of different things. Um, this past year, I have spent pretty much uh, 
95% of my time covering gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Your work with Knock LA includes a 15-part investigative series that tells the history of deputy gangs. Not to mention, you have a database of known deputy gang associates and numerous articles documenting police misconduct and police violence of all kinds. You're behind the Google LASD Gangs campaign, and for those listening, make sure you do so. Although we have jumped right in, I just want to note that this is episode two, entitled I'm Surviving Killer Cops, and this is the Survivor's Heal podcast with your host, Oya L. Shirelles. We are a project of iHeartRadio's Next Up initiative. And again, we are here with the brilliant and talented Cerise Castle, who has put herself in harm's way just to make sure that the people know the truth. And so can I just start off by checking in with you? <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm. Um, so this week I found out, um, I had always suspected that there was some monitoring going on of my personal life by the sheriff's department. And this week I got confirmation that that is happening. I found out through a public records request that the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department tasked what appears to be a team of so-called crime analysts to monitor my social media for, this is their words, potential doxing purposes. Yeah, like I said, it was something that I suspected was going on, but seeing that in writing on, you know, county letterhead, it doesn't get any less shocking than that. I'm still processing it, I think. This is just something that I learned about a couple of days ago, Mm. but yeah, it's it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of people have to deal with. You know, I'm just, I'm one of, you know, probably hundreds of people that are going through something like this. And even just the monitoring of my social media, that's so minimal compared to what so many other families and individuals experience on a daily basis. My monitor, My monitoring exists in the digital space. Many people are monitored, you know, going to the grocery store, picking their kids up from school, driving to put gas in the car and are pulled over, taken out of their cars, arrested for no reason or very flimsy ones at best. So I'm I'm lucky that it hasn't escalated to that point, but you know, that doesn't make it any less appropriate. Absolutely. And I do want to just highlight the the process that you went through in order to confirm that was happening. Because sometimes I feel like we activists, if I might say, or street historians, <laughs> right, that and advocates as well, like we get ridiculed and called paranoid and all this kind of thing, you know, when we're like I'm suspecting that, you know, we're being unduly investigated or watched or fired on and sometimes it's like for for many of us there is not that there's never that confirmation Mm -hmm. you know and if if it is confirmed it's not confirmed in a way that is so tangible as like 
on county letterhead, you know what I mean? And so I just want to highlight that you did a PRA, a public records request, right? I did, yes. And that information I've posted on my social media, and I'll say it here, if anyone is interested in, you know, learning from me how to do that, I do have a template that I am anxious to share with people. I'm trying to find a platform that's best to have that accessible to people. But yes, if anyone is interested in getting this template that I use for Public Records Act requests, like please reach out to me. It's available for the public and I want people to have this information and know how to do this. Yeah, that's super dope. Because I feel like, so the organization that I work for is the Reverence Project. What we like to do is to introduce alternative ways to heal, right? And I feel like tools like the one that you just talked about, the PRA, those those are actually tools for healing because they allow us to hold people accountable. Right. And they also allow us to, in some cases, just confirm what our intuition tells us. Yes. You know, and it's really important, you know, to not have to continuously be in doubt Mm-hmm. You know, and to be able to to say definitively, like, hey, like, I know what you guys are doing. I feel that is also true of investigative reporting that you've done. Like that that has created a way for people who have been the survivors mm-hmm. of police violence, a way to say, you know what, it's true, you yeah. know, and here is 50 years of proof. Right. You know, can you also tell us like what it was really that sparked your interest in doing this story in particular? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been interested in deputy gangs. I grew up here in Southern California and growing up, I would hear from my peers in school, my older brother, my mom, teachers even about deputy gangs just sort of as like cautionary anecdotes. Oh, watch out for white bald-headed sheriffs because they're likely Vikings and, you know, they'll beat you up. They'll Mm. take you to jail for no reason. And it was sort of like, you know, one of those things, like I guess like an urban folklore, like there's truth to it, but you really don't know anything beyond those little snippets that you hear. And I always wanted to know more. I've always been just sort of a naturally inquisitive person. And I've always really loved the library and looking into history. So I remember like as a kid trying to go to the library and find out stuff about these deputy gangs, but there was never anything substantial. I would find articles here and there in different local papers, but there wasn't ever really any uh deep in investigative projects that really looked into who these people were, where they came from, and what what exactly their agenda was. And it was a question that I kept coming back to at different points in my life, and there were never any answers there. So yeah, fast forward to the summer of 2020, I was working at a local radio station here in LA, and I was covering the protests and uprisings that were happening in response to the murder of George Floyd. And in the course of doing that reporting, I was shot by the Los Angeles Police Department with a less lethal munition. I 
was standing on the sidewalk holding my press badge above my head. And I actually caught in a series of photographs, um, a police officer turning, pointing his gun at me and pulling the trigger. And the resulting injuries of that placed me on bed rest for six months. I couldn't walk. I could, I was in a air cast. I had to use crutches to get around. And I was basically told to just sit on my couch and take it easy for the next six months. And that really, <laughs> that really bothered me. I didn't want to do that, especially in the, in the moment that we were in, just sort of sitting back and standing by didn't really, it didn't really sit well with me. I knew I had to find some way to keep doing my work. Um, a couple of days after I was shot with the less lethal Andres Guardado was killed by two deputy sheriffs in the Compton area. Mm -hmm. He was a 18-year-old security guard, and he, they chased him into an alley and shot him as he was on his knees. Yeah, I remember that. Really awful, awful, awful shooting. And it's still making its way through the courts right now. One of the deputies has sort of disappeared. He left the country. No one really knows where he is. Didn't know that. Yeah, it's this stuff is just allowed to happen. Criminal charges are who knows if they're going to get filed. We're still waiting to see. There's a civil suit making its way through the court. In any case, I saw that happen and pretty quickly after Andres was killed, it came out that the two deputies that participated in that shooting were prospects of a deputy gang. Hmm. And when I heard that, I was just like, okay, like this is something I've been thinking about for literally my entire life. Let's see how much I can find out about deputy gangs in these six months. Like I'm going to put all of my time and resources into reporting this out from my couch. And I started doing that. And I started filing Public Records Act requests again. And after a few requests, I was able to turn up a list of litigation that the County of Los Angeles keeps mm. of civil cases related to deputy gangs. It's quite literally a spreadsheet that lists the case, the deputy gang affiliated with it, and the dollar amount. Um, on that list, they totaled $55 million. I used that list as a roadmap, and I was able to find even more cases. Wow. And what I found was that these deputy gangs have killed at least 19 people. Four of them were suffering a mental health crisis. These were all men of color. Mm. And it has cost county taxpayers at least $100 million of settlement payments alone. Nine times out of 10, these cases settle. And when they settle, that means they get the settlement award, which is that $100 billion that I'm talking about. But one dollar amount that I haven't been able to track down is how much the attorneys cost. Mm. When you settle, you have to pay for not just your attorney fees, but the attorney fees for the other person. Mm -hmm. So that number of $100 million is probably a lot higher. Mm -hmm. And sheriff's department, sheriff's deputies, they don't pay for any of that. It's us, county taxpayers, right. that pick up that bill. So essentially for the past 50 years, we've been funding these payoffs for these murders. Wow, that is just very chilling to hear, especially coming from the place of having to fight for uh, survivors of crime 
to receive compensation and having the funds for survivors actually babysat by law enforcement (laughs) for them to be the ones to say whether or not somebody is or is not a survivor. Mm -hmm. You know, it has just been incredibly inappropriate and something that has to change. And there has been some policies that have, you know, begun to turn the tide. And I would say that even even now in the case of law enforcement gangs, I know that there was a article out last year where Mayor Asia Brown mm-hmm. was talking about like her her run-ins with these folks. Yeah. There was an article out last year where the former mayor of Compton, Aja Brown, was talking about her run-ins with these sheriffs. The story comes from an ABC 7 News broadcast in August of 2020, where there is an eyewitness news investigation highlighting the alleged sheriff's deputy gang that has branded its members the executioners. The city leaders in Compton said they were fed up. They were calling for a federal investigation, and the former mayor of Compton herself spoke out about her own harrowing experience. She said that they terrorized the community, and then they covered their tracks, and she said the sheriff's gang's behavior was unacceptable. This broadcast asked the question, is the Compton Sheriff Station being run by the executioners, a gang of rogue deputies with matching tattoos? Of course, Sheriff Alex Villanueva, um, maybe former sheriff, denied it. But the former um, mayor of Compton, Aja Brown, shared her own experience of being pulled over by Compton deputies in June of 2019. She said she rolled down the window and asked why she was being pulled over. Within seconds, almost seven to nine sheriff's deputies' vehicles descended upon the scene. She said they ordered her out of her vehicle. They asked her to put her hands on top of the police vehicle so they could search her as if she was a criminal. And that was just a piece of what um, Compton's former mayor, Aja Brown, had gone through. The city of Compton is actually suing the sheriff's department now for money laundering, essentially, uh, billing for hours and services that the city contends were never completed. Mm. Instead, what was completed was the systemic harassment of the residents of Compton, right. their children, right. and the deaths of many community members that were killed by these deputy gang members. It's really unfortunate. I mean, the Compton Police Department was shut down for a lot of the same reasons, right? right? I mean, there was systemic abuse going on in the Compton Sheriff's Department. You know, again, like services not happening. And the thought was that by shutting them down and bringing in the sheriffs, things would be better. But we know that there is this 50-year history of Mm -hmm. abuse in the sheriff's department as well. And it's really metastasized to one of the most dangerous deputy gangs in Los Angeles County. Mm, Right. And are you familiar with some of the legislation that has recently passed banning law enforcement gangs? Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with that bill. I believe that was Representative Mike Gibson that authored that. So back in November 2021, Mike Gibson, Assemblyman Mike Gibson, he was on a podcast called Sacktown Talks. And I'm actually going to share a whole quote uh, from him about 
Assembly Bill 958. It's pretty long, but I want you guys to be able to like really hear what he had to say about this bill. So he said, quote, that in my own city in which I represent, I represent Watts, Compton, Carson, Wilmington, North Long Beach, Linwood, Gardena, and also Torrance. But specifically in the city of Compton, there was a police officer, a deputy sheriff who for five years was bullied, harassed, left unprotected as a deputy sheriff because he refused to be a part of a law enforcement gang or sheriff's gang clique that exists. There were the executioners, there were the Vikings and other different names. They named this gang that was a secret society within the sheriff's department. So we went to work after this deputy sheriff a bold statement by saying enough is enough and it's too much. And he came out publicly and we had to address and we had to do something. So we went to work and we created Bill AB 958 which is banning police or law enforcement gangs. And so if you are found to be a part of a gang, any law enforcement agency in the state of California, it is a terminable offense now. And you will now, because of another piece of legislation that I voted on, which is Senate Bill 2, it will cause you to be decertified. So this bill, AB 958, was signed into law banning law enforcement from having any kind of gangs because we know that even like a street gang, a thug street gang like the Cribs and Bloods, for the cowards that they are, we know that you... In order for you to be a part of that, you have to put in work. You have to kill someone. You have to abuse someone. Well, the same principle in law enforcement, you have to use deadly force or unnecessary force. And so in order to be a part of this law enforcement gang, and so we say that this is no place in law enforcement in the state of California. There's no place for this. This governor, Gavin Newsom, he signed this bill into law prohibiting law enforcement gangs existing in the state. And I've had, and I want to underscore, a number of chiefs of police and other law enforcement throughout the state of California call me anonymously sharing the information, saying we can't get rid of these deputy sheriffs or these police officers because the gang gets too strong and powerful and I'm going in the right direction. And so we did this with the support of those individuals who could not reveal themselves, but certainly support this piece of legislation so that they can now have the ammunition to, once they find someone that's a part of a gang, get rid of them and cause them to never be law enforcement in the state of California again, end quote. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm good that that stuff is passing. Like, I definitely think that's a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, here in Los Angeles County, where we have now probably the most documented issues of deputy gangs. We have a sheriff that says time and time again that he picks and chooses which laws he's going to enforce Mm. and which rules that he's going to enforce for his own staff. So I'm not particularly confident that that law will make any difference in our sheriff's department because our sheriff is so open about choosing to, you know, follow the rules that he personally approves of. He he also routinely denies that deputy gang exists in his department, calls them benign cliques, subgroups. I mean, clique is mean girls at your high school. Right. Subgroups. Subgroups. 
Right. I, I don't, I'm not really sure what that is. That sounds like sports or something. I'm not sure. These are gangs. These are gangs. They commit crimes. They work as a criminal enterprise. To call them anything else is really irresponsible right. and incredibly insulting and disrespectful to the hundreds of people that have experienced and survived violence um, perpetuated by these groups. Right. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts about the fact that Mike Gibson is former law enforcement <laughs> and, you know, being the author of the band, the band, the <laughs> law enforcement gangs bill? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that says a lot about like how the bill was written because we we know that these people, they don't they don't write the bills themselves, right? They get it from advocacy groups that come to them with legislation. So I think that like that definitely plays a role in like how that bill was written. Like I wouldn't necessarily want a police union to write the rules for how oh, uh, potentially like gang members can conduct themselves because those same unions have been protecting those people for the past 50 years. I'm happy that it exists. Um, luckily, like we live in a country and a state where you can continue to tinker with things after they've been passed, um, passed like amendments. And that gives me hope. But yeah, I mean, it's not great that a cop wrote that law. I, I would have loved for it to come from one of these like many, many advocacy groups that have been engaged in the space for much longer than I have and much longer than Mike Gibson has, frankly. There have been activists doing this work for generations. Yeah. And I'm sure they had plenty of ideas that could have accomplished this in a way that is a lot more more stringent, I suppose, more strict. And just like with a framework that would actually give like the community more power as opposed to structures that exist that have been protecting these things for so long. Do you have any like ideas about how we would actually be able to make a change in terms of the the gangs <laughs> in, in law enforcement? Well, I think at the minimum an, an, an independent investigation is is warranted. I think an injunction would be a good thing to think about. Mm -hmm. I think it's been 50 years at this point. I like personally speaking, like I think I, I, I don't know if you can save this department. Like if 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 I fuck up on my job like twice, I'm like chance of getting fired, like 50 years of fucking up, like killing people, costing millions of taxpayer dollars, like I don't know if there's coming back from that. I really don't. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a policy expert. I'm not, you know, an elected official. But as a taxpayer in Los Angeles County, I am not feeling great about what we have in place right now. And I think that a change is, is definitely needed. And hold that thought. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels. And do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Earlier, we discussed you being shot by police at a protest and spied on. We also just heard about former mayor of Compton, Asia Brown, being harassed. And so I'm, I'm curious, for those who may be in similar situations, like right now, you know, what is there? Is there any advice that you would give them in terms of how to survive yeah, police that's- violence? That's a really tough question. I mean, how to survive police violence. Ah, it's That's really tough. I mean, just because police really have like carte blanche to do whatever they want to you. I don't know if this will help you survive, but I think these things will make it easier for people like me to protect you. Other journalists, activists, advocates... I think if you're experiencing like any sort of like police harassment or targeting, it's really important to have a body camera of your own Mm. to record everything. A dash cam, a camera facing out of the back of your car as well, because they love to follow people. I would say locking your social media now that we know that they follow people and track your movements that way. Lock it. You know, getting an attorney if you're like financially able, that's always a great step. Just to have someone that is documenting this stuff and like filing it with the court, with the government and those appropriate measures. So it it is what you're experiencing is logged and there is an official record of it because, you know, of course, we can't trust these agencies to take mm-hmm. records of this. I would say not not going anywhere alone, really especially to places where there's a chance that there could be a law enforcement presence. Like I have to go to court pretty regularly to pick up different court documents related to reporting that I'm doing. And because there's such a big sheriff's presence at the courts, I don't go by myself anymore. And it's the same thing if like if I'm going to interview a source in an area where there's a lot of sheriffs, I, I don't go alone. And I do have that camera turned on. So just taking steps, I mean, this is really this is really dark, but I think taking steps to like have like a complete record of everything that you did in the event that you're not able to speak for yourself is is ultimately what what will help people advocate on your behalf if should that need arise. Uh, yeah, that is really actually thorough and helpful. I I know that is gonna speak to folks, you know, so 
really appreciate such a thoughtful response. Also, so it just reminded me and brought up for me like the the part in the article where you were talking about the the gentleman that was at a Vietnam protest. Oh, or maybe it was maybe maybe not the Vietnam protest. It was the the Chicano moratorium. Moratorium, mm-hmm. yeah. And he felt already, if I'm not mistaken, it's the last name Salazar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he felt already that he was being investigated. Yeah. And he ended up being a victim of police violence. Yeah. You know, and and so what you shared, the last part that you shared about having a record of what you're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. like is important because even for him, he shared with friends. Right. You know, like, hey, this is this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And I would say like for those friends and family that, you know, have folks who are doing like the kind of courageous work that you're doing, like in order for us to have like a healing culture, you know, we have to believe one another, mm-hmm. you know, and when folks are saying, hey, I think that this is happening and I think that, you know, the police are the ones that are doing it, even as dangerous as that, you know, sounds like do some of these things, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Take some of these steps. Yes. Don't let your folks go anywhere alone when that you know, when they start to say that these are the things that are happening in their lives, you know, Mm. and, you know, help them to document things like all like also to get a get a a camera, like Mm -hmm. get a body cam. Yes. You know, if you can. And just it is if we're if we're building a, a culture that is around safety, if we're building a culture that's around healing, then all of these things are just as important, you right. know, as um as like meditating mm-hmm. and praying and you know the the things that folks traditionally believe is about healing. Like, you know, healing is also these things. Yeah. Healing is also like taking a stance and mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, while it's important to have policies on the books in the real world and in our daily lives, that there's also an importance for for practical ways to protect ourselves. Right. You know, I also I was definitely struck by the uh, the Gravel Institute piece mm, mm-hmm. that you did on uh, YouTube, and you spoke about having to wear a bulletproof vest at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, how is that? I mean, just <laughs> like is that? Is my grandmother worried? It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's not something that I thought I would experience like in this country as a journalist. Like I've worked in other regions where, you know, that that seems like more of a tangible threat, if that makes sense. Like I've, you know, worked on stories where people are going to like, you know, meet with like drug traffickers and human smugglers that work for a cartel. That kind of situation, like it seems more like makes sense. Like me, you know, covering a protest here in Los Angeles, like wearing a bulletproof vest, that is just not something that like I <laughs> saw for my life. But unfortunately, like, yes, I have been shot at a protest. Like, yes, I am being monitored by the police. Like that's, it, it's become my reality now. It's not what I expected. And yeah, it doesn't get any less shocking, I suppose. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it is and it is shocking. And I think that the part of the reason that, you know, folks have, I'm going to say missed, you know, this this reality that folks are in is because of the communities that have to daily contend with these yes. conditions, right? Yeah. And so in the communities that I am a part of, like in particular, like in Watts and South Central, these areas, like there's all of these programs, right, in order to reduce violence. And uh, a lot of them get hijacked by law enforcement. And one of the one of the things that has been really popular is to buy back guns. Oh, you know? my gosh. The gun buybacks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about gun right? buybacks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's funny. I'm like, I think that like in, and supposedly law enforcement buying back guns from civilians is to increase our safety. You know, when in the past five years, police killed more folks running away from them than the total number of cops shot and killed on duty. Also, since 2015, law enforcement killed three times more black folks than cops were killed by anyone. Like for law enforcement to be trying to buy back guns, you know, it's ridiculous to me. And the reason why I bring that up is because I'm like, if they really were trying to like support people's safety, they'd be giving out bulletproof vest. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like not only not only because of the level of violence that unfortunately happens within our community, but because of being safe from them. Like right. you know, yeah. for when when one of them gets a wild hair, you know, up their ass and decides that they're gonna be trigger happy. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately like we just we just had a series of youth share about how the police harassment in the community, like the way that they actually are actively raising tensions between mm. uh, different street gang mm-hmm. in neighborhoods, right? Yeah. And I have a kind of unique upbringing as I'm the child of a family of folks who transformed their gang membership into peacemaking activities, right? And they put together the 1992 peace treaty between the Bloods and the Crips in Watts, right? Mm -hmm. But I also grew up on the stories knowing that the police actively resisted that and actually would dress up, you know, as rival members and and do drive-bys and then told them just like bold-facedly, like, you know, uh, we benefit off of you guys killing each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we get overtime right. whenever you guys are acting stupid. They get grants. They get <laughs> new toys. Right? It's a business to keep us killing each other. Right. And so anybody actively working to, you know, to to decrease the violence for real, you know, not just like trying to buy back guns, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to then uh, redistribute in the same community. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And that happens all the time. Like how many scandals have we seen where law enforcement officers are found going into the evidence room, going into these like places where these guns are taken, taking them and selling them on the street. We've had scandal after scandal. So, for example, there's a story from September 2020, a CBS broadcast where they found a former manager for the Los Angeles Police Academy's gun store was accused of stealing 21 guns. The 
L.A. County District Attorney's Office says 34-year-old Archie Duenas took the guns from the police revolver and athletic club over a two-year period, then sold them. And I was wondering also, like, because you, you, in your reporting, like, you spoke about, too, how there has been, like, all these documented points of officers, like, framing people. Mm-hmm. Can you, yeah. can you tell us more about that, too? Well, there are actually two officers that are currently facing criminal charges for lying about a assault that took place during a arrest. And these are two deputy gang associates from the East Los Angeles station. That's one case where they face criminal charges. But yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's another thing that happens constantly. And that's um, one of the hallmarks of these deputy gangs is targeting black and brown people um, in low-income areas for a stop that will turn into a beating or a death. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. The point that I'm trying to make is it's like it's part of just sort of the culture and like function of policing like in and of itself. I've spoken to many deputies who tell me like there is an insane amount of pressure and require an even requirement sometimes to go out and they call it hunting. Mm. Go out and hunt young men of color to increase these statistics, these arrest statistics, these 
you know, numbers that they can point to and say, look, we're needed in this area. Mm. We need to work more overtime. We need that grant, that $5 million grant to form a new team or task force to continue policing this community. We need those new guns. We need that new armored vehicle. Mm. Um, We need a sheriff's department budget increase to 3.5 billion with a B dollars. Yeah, it's 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 really a business and I think that's like the most like gross and insidious part of it. Oh, you can say that again. Like um I think that as survivors of crime in low-income communities, there's been this tale Right. That says that, okay, we have the highest levels of crime. Right. But ultimately, we have received the lowest amount of resources. Exactly. You know, and it's like and part and part of that has been because of barriers with within law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And then also, I know that you you did a you did a piece around the ways that there are law enforcement Folks who attempted to just do their actual job, right? Mm-hmm. And then these gangs within the law enforcement actually start to harass those folks. Yeah, and I, I feel like I, I'm constantly in my life bringing up Christopher Dorner. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like um, it's a really unpopular thing to do around my community because there are some really kind of high up folks who you know were on his list on his manifesto. Really? Yeah, and so I. Um, you know, I appreciate the Dave Chappelle's, uh, even though he's on he's under fire right now. But yeah. I, because he's he spoke about you know Christopher Joyner and how you know the the police told him like, hey, you know, like be careful when you come out, <laughs> when you come out here. He's like, why do I have to be careful? Like you guys are the ones mm-hmm. who are who have a pattern. Of abuses, and you have you have an officer here who was saying like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna blow the whistle on beating up mentally incapacitated and mentally unwell folk," mm-hmm. you know, and you know there was there was suppression. Yeah, you know, can you tell me and tell us more about just what you found? in yeah. your investigation around the the interdynamics of police harassment. Yeah, I mean there there is like a, a brotherhood of policing that I think that exists across departments and that is why a lot of this stuff is kept so quiet. Most um, law enforcement officers believe it's a cardinal sin to do any sort of whistleblowing or telling on their brothers, their so-called brothers. The very few that do, that do take a stand, generally they are either one, pushed out by false investigations. A lot of times they'll say they saw something wrong, someone beating up someone during an arrest. Sometimes they will get mysterious investigations that they actually did something wrong during an arrest. And They'll get suspended. They'll get terminated sometimes even for things that necessarily didn't happen. Sometimes their lives are threatened 
for this kind of stuff. They'll have guns pointed at them. They'll have people driving by their house at night and leaving dead animals in their front lawn. It's really, they very much have a target put on their back for speaking up about this kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's very dangerous for them. It's, and I think that culture being present, it really discourages anyone from becoming like the proverbial good cop, right? You see that this is what happens to those people. And that's really important to say. Yeah. 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 I like we uh we run a program, Community Sentinels Leadership Academy, where we are wanting to train the next generation of community-based public safety mm-hmm. professionals, right? And imbue the youth with understanding of like civic engagement, how systems work, and just like some practical skills around like really like awareness, like community yeah. awareness, community education and history. Sometimes we invite law enforcement to come out and we had one law enforcement officer a, a black officer who I, I won't say her name right now, but she spoke very passionately about the fact that when she first joined the force back in the 80s, it was so it was like so palpable, so visceral that they did not want black officers and they definitely mm. did not want black female officers, mm-hmm. you know, and that and like it's like there has been like this harassment that they had to, you know, contend with like their entire careers. Yeah. And not only that, just in order for them to get on the force back in the 80s, they mm-hmm. had to sue. Wow. And so this is like you said, this is the culture. Right. And this is and this is California. Yeah. So we're not we're not talking about Louisiana. We're mm-hmm. not talking about Mississippi or Michigan. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so this is the culture of policing in America, you know, and and we're having to survive this shit, you yeah. know? Do you know much about, like, community-based public safety efforts? Like, there's, like, a lot of groups that, you know, stand on the shoulders of folks like the Black Panthers and the Brown Berets and, mm-hmm. you know, like, folks who have come from the mindset of, taking what they have, the resources that they have and and doing the best that they can in order to provide a sense of protection within the community and to like reduce the violence. There is a, a concerted effort from law enforcement to even discredit them. Yeah. And then on the other hand to, oh, no, to bolster them up, but only as a, like, like as a, punchline almost like mm-hmm. oh like you could you could have them mm-hmm. you know these former gang members and these criminals of your community or you could have us like you know that kind of criminals thing. of your community <laughs> 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 gang <laughs> members and criminals <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the ones I know and that haven't killed my family <laughs> so there you have it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean because that is the that is the contradiction here. And yeah. you know, we have like you stated we've trusted law enforcement for 50 years with our public funds. And yet when it comes to folks who study their entire lives and put their their entire lives with no badges, no batons, no guns, no vest 
mm-hmm. you know, like that. And they they go out into their community. They're a part of their community. They're yeah. invested in the well-being of their community. And folks from on high are saying, well, you know, we can't trust you mm. with with the public funds. <laughs> <laughs> but we've trusted law enforcement with public funds. Right. I I definitely think that the amount of money that we spend on law enforcement here in Los Angeles, and in compare, especially when you look at it in comparison to other services, it's it's ridiculous. You would think that we were living in a war torn country and we don't really see a lot of return on that investment we spend over three billion dollars on the sheriff's department and they have a 35 percent clearance rate for homicides that means that they only solve 35 percent they they're constantly talking about the oh murders are going up murders are going out but they're not solving them they're not you know really doing anything to prevent it and they still want more money they just got a five million dollar grant and it really makes me question, like, where where is this money going? I looked at a budget for LAPD. They recently had a really awful incident where 400 officers were called out to remove homeless people from a local park. A journalist's arm was broken in the mm. process of that. Over 180 people, including members of the press, were arrested. And coming out of that, LAPD said, you know what? To get better, we need $18 million more dollars. And a million dollars of that, I believe, was for snacks. Yeah. yeah. Snacks. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this <laughs> right. And this is this is the this is the current state of things. And so as an advocate for survivors of crime, when you know we're we're asking for folks you know, to be able to access dollars to bury their loved ones murdered by police. The 2021 legislation that would have provided compensation to victims and survivors in that predicament, SB 299, although it passed the Senate committee, it was ultimately taken off the table. So the fight continues. There are new models that Mm -hmm. are out here. And, you know, if we give them half a chance, we can see things, you know, differently, maybe, you yeah. know. However, if we continue the way that we're going, it'll be another 50 years of folks, you know, talking about how they're having to survive, mm-hmm. you know, police violence and killer right. cops. Like, you know, another point I want to add to surviving, I want to tell people, like, to vote. I mean, like, I, I hate to be like that cheesy person being like, register to vote and make sure you vote. Um, but, Voting, I I really look at it as like harm reduction. Like, yes, this is like, it's a very flawed system. And like, we're seeing that right now in our redistricting process, right? Like, these are systems that are constantly changing to keep, you know, people that are affected by them the most, the most quiet. But really, you know, engaging civically. And we have how many council members up? I I think we have eight council members up for re-election next year. We have an election inside the sheriff's department to elect a new sheriff. Mm -hmm. Like community engagement on this stuff is key because these are the people that decide on the city council and on the supervisors. These are the people that decide where that money goes and how much money they get and the policies that dictate how law enforcement can interact with the community. When we're talking about electing a sheriff, that's literally the person that oversees everything. We currently have a sheriff that has admitted to associating 
with deputy gangs. His undersheriff is a tattooed member of a deputy gang and he denies the existence of deputy gangs. This is this is incredibly dangerous. He constantly sp- spreads misinformation and we're going to have an opportunity in 2022 to change that. So I really encourage everyone to, you know, tap in with their civic engagement and like I said before, like make sure you're doing that little bit of harm reduction because if we continue to do it and we work together, things will get better. I promise. We just have to be there to start the process. And so I'm also just uh, wondering, what are some of the ways that you take care of yourself? Mm. Well, I am starting to be a lot more strict with myself about when I can and cannot do work. I make sure that I carve out plenty of time in my day to just like be cerise and do things that I enjoy, like hiking. Well, I need to start working out more regularly again. I sort of forget how much I enjoy it when I get off of it, but I think that's a lot of people. <laughs> I do yoga. I um, I just moved. That's sort of tangentially related to the stuff that I've been experiencing. Mm. So, you know, putting my house together, that's fun. Decorating. I read a lot about um, lighter subjects. Well, I guess the book I'm reading right now isn't so light. It's about it's about the the Gucci family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the book that the the movie that's coming out is based on, and there's a murder in that, so it's not so light. But it's a lot about fashion, so <laughs> a little bit of a break. Yeah, and just like realizing that like it's okay to like take care of myself. I felt a lot of when I was reporting the series, and in the months afterward, I felt really that I couldn't take any time away or that I couldn't, that I had to go after like everything that I was getting like right in that moment that I couldn't take time to like live my own life. And I do, I do therapy and like through therapy, I've like really been able to realize that that's not healthy for me or the people that I am trying, whose stories I'm trying to tell. I have to be a well-rounded person. It can't all just be one thing. Um, And that's been very helpful as well. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, because um, it. I think it is immensely important to remember to live your life because a part of the suppression and the oppression of the dominant culture is they want to take our lives. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so um, with in every way that we can reclaim our lives and reclaim our time, we should do that. You 100%. know, yeah, yeah. I also just want to lift up how important your voice is. Thank you. In all of this. Thank you. You know, like, it's really courageous. How can we support you? How can people support you? Yeah. Um, sharing the stories, reading reading the articles, sending them to friends, family, talking about this stuff. If you, if you see something, if you have a tip or something that you think I should check out, please reach out to me. You can find me on my social media. I'm on Twitter at Cerise Castle. Instagram is the same. And... Yeah, that's the best way if you just sharing the work. And of course, if you if you see something, if you have a question, I'm I'm always available and here here to help. Was there anything else that that you would share to survivors? Oof. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a big question. I, I, I think I tend to listen to survivors because they have they've been through Things, a lot of things that I can't, I can't even imagine, and I'm always just amazed by their strength and their ability to continue on after going through some of these things. So, yeah, I mean, I, 
I would answer that with like, what what do the survivors have to have to say to us? I concur, which is why we are ending this episode hearing from another survivor of Killer Cops. This audio is from a BLM action that calls for the dissolution of police associations, where you have Albert Corrado demanding justice for his sister, Mel Corrado, who was murdered by police in Silver Lake in 2018. In any case, thank you all so much for joining us. Of uh, voting and organizing. And obviously, you know, I come to you as as Melly's brother first and foremost. Um, I am also running for city council, but I'm not here to sell you on why you should vote for me. But I wanted to mention that so I can give you a little bit of context. Um, When Melly was killed and the city lied about it and tried to cover it up and then had to admit that it was police who killed her. I started to get a peek into how this city works and how everything in, in city government works in concert. So the uh, police are, are you know, aided and abetted by the mayor, by city council members who draft ordinances to give police more power. The city fails people every single day. It failed Melly when it allowed two of their employees to kill her. But there was something about the other people on the other side who were, who were doing this that made me, it gave me the same feeling that I got when I would hear the police chief talk about Melly, talk about the victims of, of violent crime, of, of, uh, of police violence. You know, it's, it's, they want to tell you that they're the ones who have all the answers, that this is the only way that anything is going to get done, that the only way you can be safe is by having a highly militarized police force who works in tandem with the federal government to get military-grade weapons. They're telling you this is the only way. The only way that this city functions is if we basically round up and arrest and harass every unhoused person. We're not going to address why people end up in tents, why people decide to live in a tent. It's not because they want to. No one wants to do that. All of us, I hope, in this crowd get to go home to a comfortable bed, to a house, to some form of comfort. And a lot of people don't. They have to live their lives in a, in a constant sense of panic, a constant sense of worry. And we don't ever address that. We have to understand that there is power to be had in these institutions. We may deride them. We may say that they are imperfect because they are. And the, if you, tomorrow you told me, hey, I want to get rid of electoral politics and all that. I'd say, hell yeah, let's fucking do it. But unfortunately, we have to seize that power because no one is going to come to your door and say, hey, you know what? You're radical. You're, you're an abolitionist. You're, you have really good ideas. Why don't you come do this? We have to take that power. No one is going gonna, is gonna to go to your door and ask you to do that. Because the moment that more of us who believe in what we believe in, who are radical abolitionists, and, and, and we, we believe in radical love and, and justice and all that, is the moment they, they lose their stranglehold that they have on, on our city, on our society, and, and that to them is, is scary. Disclaimer, my views, beliefs, and opinions are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views of my guests, resource organizations, or sources shared. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. 
Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels. And do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.